I'm Misha Likaros, and you're listening to Digipod, the official podcast of IMAP, the Internet and Mobile Marketing Association of the Philippines. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Welcome to another episode of IMAP Digipod, the official podcast of the Internet and Mobile Marketing Association of the Philippines. My name is Michel Icaros, and I'm your host. This show takes a deep dive into digital marketing and advertising through conversations with experts from all over the world. Learn from our discussions and stay tuned till the end, where we take a look at our Boomerang Showcase to look at some of the biggest campaigns of yesteryear. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. For this episode, I am honored to be joined by my co-host, co-founder of David and Goliath, and IMAP board member, Mr. Miko David. Miko, welcome back. Hey, Misha. How's it going, man? I'm good. I'm good. We've been having very odd weather the last couple of weeks. Well, uh, I think that's <laughs> the thing with the tropical uh, you know, uh, climate. So I think the same could be said about uh, digital marketing, right? Uh, very mm-hmm. odd weather that happens over time. Um, new campaigns, new channels, uh, new data. So I think that always um, provides a lot of uh, opportunity for, for people. Um, but we always have to stay ahead. And while it's predictable, good to be prepared, right? So I, I think that's the way to look at it. Want to hit your target market with just a fraction of the cost? Dive into the blue ocean of podcast advertising, the medium that makes sure that retention and conversions equals your ROI. What are you waiting for? Schedule a demo today at advertiser.podmetrics.co. Absolutely. I'm actually pretty excited about today's topic because we'll be talking about something that's near and dear to a lot of our listeners' hearts. This is the rise of gaming and related marketing. How about you, Miko? Uh, Do you have any experience in this area? Do, Do you play games? Yes, Misha. Um, it's a, something also very close to my heart. And uh, once upon a time, I almost worked for the video game industry. Uh, it's one of the biggest regrets of my life, uh, considering that this company is so big now. <sighs> but that said, it's something I still lo- love to watch and uh, uh, see how it progresses over time. So yes, yes, definitely. I have actually um, been very much in- interested because um, I've been gaming like for a big part of my life, and I'm really interested to hear what our guests have to say today. So I think with that, it's time to introduce them. First up, we have Miss Kylie Singh, Head of Creators at Hepmel Creators Network. Good morning, Kylie. Hi, good morning. How's everyone doing? Oh, surviving pretty much. How are things in your neck of the woods? Um, we're doing good here. So I'm based in Singapore. I mean, you were talking about the weather just now in Singapore. It's hot all the time. So yeah, I think the weather's just hot all the time. We've been having two weeks of rain pretty much. So I think at this point, hot would be welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next up, we have Mr. Gabriel Benito, the CEO and founder of Nextplay Esports. Welcome, Gabriel. Hey, thank you so much for having me here. Really appreciate it. Really honored to be part of this uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, well, on my side of the company, the business, uh, we've been very busy for the first half of the year. A lot of engagement is happening overall, uh, the whole esports space, the gaming space, and also the brands, right? Uh, I would say gaming esports is still very much on the rise. So really happy to see that for the space. Okay, thank you. We look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Last but certainly not least, we have Mr. Dave Kwa, the APAC Strategy Manager for FB Gaming. Welcome, Dave. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Misha, thank you so much. Glad to be here. We're happy to announce that our favorite digital conference is on. IMAP Digicon Pop 2021. The theme for this year is Digicon Pop, or Depop. Depop will explore how digital marketing has finally gone mainstream and become a part of pop culture. What does this mean? And what possibilities lie ahead for marketers? The answer to that and many more questions will be revealed at IMAP Digicon Pop 2021. Depop will run from October 11 to 15, and we have some amazing speakers lined up, including Adam Grant, best-selling author of Originals, Give and Take, and most recently, Think Again. Celebrated as a must-read by everybody from Oprah to Bill Gates. We'll also be welcoming Mr. Rory Sutherland, Vice Chair of Ogilvy UK and a Rockstar TED Talk speaker. For early birds, you can email digicon at futureproof.ph or visit digicon.com.ph. So don't forget, this coming October, IMAP Digicon Pop 2021. All right. Uh, so I, I think there's uh, a few questions off the top uh, of our heads, but I think let's start off with uh, the basics, right? So guys, I, I find that there's so many different uh, gaming platforms uh, available today. So, and there's so many types of games as well. So how would you define a gamer today? You see, uh, there's a lot of conversations happening around whether you're a gamer or not, right? Um, I think it starts off before that, you know, when you're a gamer on PC, you're, you're really a gamer. And you, when you're a gamer on mobile, you're not really a gamer, right? But the thing is, things have changed for the last two years. And more than ever, if you look at the data, uh, more than 50% of the revenues, right, and the engagement is actually coming from mobile gaming. So on my end, when I saw the whole spectrum and the life, life cycle of gaming, esports in particular, for the last five years, you know, I would reckon that um, gaming is, is something that is uh, played by a lot of people. And uh, as long as you play, as long as you love games, you can call yourself a gamer. I mean, you know, there's no strict line on who a gamer is, uh, in particular, whether you're playing a mobile game, a PC game, or, or even, for example, like Candy Crush, right? So that's on, uh, that's is essentially how, how I see uh, defining a gamer. Fair enough. So I'd like to ask, though, um, where do we stand? I mean, the Philippines and the region, where do we stand now in terms of the mainstreaming, as it were, of gaming and esports in particular? I think maybe to jump in here in terms of the mainstreaming of gaming and esports, I think it's quite interesting for, for the Southeast Asian market, not just for the Philippines, right, where mobile gaming, like what? Um, Gabriel said is huge, right? And I think unlike um, maybe in markets like Korea or maybe in markets like um, the US where they actually had a PC phase before they started moving into the mobile phase, I think in mm -hmm. Southeast Asian markets with the rise of mid-tier phones, with more affordable data plans. And um, I think that has spurred that acceleration straight into like the mobile gaming um, segment as opposed to maybe like for segments for countries like Korea where they had the whole phase of um, PC, PC bunks, like the PC rooms, yes. um, the PC cafes, right? Where they had a PC phase and gaming was solely on PC. But I think for Asia or at least Southeast Asia, we jumped straight into the mobile gaming. So I think that's a pretty interesting thing to see um, for the Southeast Asian landscape and how thanks to mobile data becoming more affordable and the rise of mid-tier phones, I think that has made mobile gaming become more mainstream in, in our part of the world. 
want to add to that. I was looking at uh, my own data from Q1 2021 this year. Uh, if you look at people who play video games or games in general, right? In terms of device, you'll find smartphones first at 94%. Then, of course, it goes to laptops, then consoles and tablets and the rest. And if you take a look at the Philippines, I, I find that there's about uh, 40 million Filipinos who actually engage uh, in, in, in gaming activities. And gaming, of course, like, you know, actual games. So again, it, it's quite interesting when you take a look at it uh, and how that's grown uh, and changed the landscape over time. Uh, Dave, did you want to add something? Yeah, I totally agree with uh, what Kylie and, and what you said, Miko, that um, Southeast Asia is actually where the growth is. And um, as what our goal actually for Facebook gaming is also to really tap into this really wide net of gamers in the community. Um, and we have actually been uh, doing so well. I mean, in terms of uh, the insights and the behaviors that we see in these markets, we've seen a really great um, exponential growth in terms of people jumping into gaming. And of course, some of the existing gamer, uh, gaming, gaming uh, community ones are also becoming more and more active. And uh, I've also tried to take a look at some external sources here. And, and yes, that's correct. Like 82% of like Southeast Asia's urban populations are actually considered themselves as gamers. And uh, that is also true that uh, because of the advent of um, the mobile and smartphone um, innovation in, in this region, more and more people are actually gravitating towards mobile games but there are also like a significant number of people who still play games on pc i i have uh, a lot of friends who play dota league of legends and stuff and there's still uh, a lot more people who are continuing to discover these pc games and one thing that also i would like to share is that there's also a growing number of gamers in southeast asia and in the philippines uh, particularly who are playing games on consoles you know, that's uh, really something that uh, we, we wanted to take a look at as well, because, um, you know, everyone here, uh, like when you take a look at the demographics in the Philippines, everyone can afford now like a smart mobile smartphones. But it's interesting to note that there are a number, a growing number of people who are also into buying console games. So that's uh, something that to take note as well. Funny you mentioned that, Dave. Uh, I was just looking at the data point on um, changes of uh, Per, I mean, changes in purchases the past year. So yes. Q1 2020 data versus Q1 2021 data. Large volume has increased for smartphones, then for laptops, and then tablets. Dramatic, you know. Found that um, there was a huge jump in people spending more than 10 hours uh, uh, on social media. And of course, also from 6 to 10 hours. Conversely, uh, you also find that the 1 to 2 hours or less than 30 minutes it also shrank uh, over the last year. So I think uh, we do get to hit a larger set of the population on, on, on devices, on social. And I think uh, Facebook being there is quite interesting as well, uh, precisely. I think that's something very interesting. And before we actually dive into e-gaming and professional tournaments, um, I think I want to ask Dave, can you elaborate a little bit about the connection between gaming and social media? In Facebook gaming, our main mission is actually to build this world's gaming community where can, people can share their passion, especially most especially on gaming, the, where they can interact and, uh, and engage with the community and at the same time also give uh, opportunity to gaming creators, aspiring gaming creators who wanted to build their own fan base you know, and build their own community in, in the platform. So that's actually the main mission for, for us. At the core of it, of course, is our uh, our existing community, and of course, the aspiring ones, um, those who are not 
you know uh, very established as of now without you know having this all gaming setup and stuff so we are also catering to those people um paving the way for them to also pursue a career in in gaming so i think the link there is really to connect these uh the the people uh the community to the gamers to the viewers uh to the enthusiasts as well so it's all in one place on facebook gaming maybe just to jump in here as well on the link between gaming as well as um, social media that we're seeing today i think gamers today they are not just one dimensional right they're not just gamers but we're starting to see these gamers become a bit of like local heroes themselves or even like local celebrities themselves right in the region i think that's a really interesting trend that we're seeing today i think with platforms like facebook or with youtube or with even TikTok today, right? Like enabling all of these creators and these gaming creators, in fact, to share their lives and share their journeys as gaming creators to like what they've mentioned to inspire the communities to actually realize that, hey, there's actually a way for you to monetize on on gaming. There's actually a way for you to build a career out of gaming. I think that is something that we're seeing um, today where gaming is not just gaming alone, but you actually extend out into gaming entertainment and it has become such like a cult. I guess it has also pushed the way that we see culture and we see celebrities and icons today. So I think that's a pretty interesting thing to see um, in the landscape today of how face of how gaming has actually impacted um, social media. I think that's absolutely true because if you look at some of these professional streamers and these game content creators, they are more influencers than anything else. To be perfectly honest, and. And, you know, if we're going to be speaking of, uh, if we're going to be upfront, entirely, entirely upfront, um, if I had a time machine, I could go back 30 years and tell my mother I could make money off of playing video games. Then <laughs> I, I would have pursued a very different path, I think. <laughs> I, I was just thinking about uh, career options, no? And uh, I think for in the case of uh, Gabriel, he, you know, the company has a lot of different talents that it has. And I, I, I was wondering, are there any interesting stories about, uh, you know, people in, in, the, in the company who have like local hero status or like these, I don't know, amazing stories? Yeah. I'm happy if you can share any of these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can share one specific example that I'm really proud of at what we've done at Next Play. If you guys are familiar with the name called Rene J. Barcarce, you know, quick background story. Um, right now, he's one of the most prominent and the fastest growing esports influencers and also gamers within the market here in the Philippines. But I, you know, I've seen him grow from rags to riches kind of stories. He, he, he works in a farm, right? In a piggery. He takes care of pigs before. Um, you know, he, he used to work the whole day, um, play from um, 10 until 2 a.m., right? Just to practice Mobile Legends in particular. Wow. He used to sleep, I think, two to four hours a day only. You know, he grinds the game all throughout right, for, for, for a number of uh, at least more than 12 months. And we saw an opportunity to work with him as we held tryouts for our flagship team, our professional team at Next Play. Um, so we had a tryout and then he passed the test. Come 14 months after uh, we were with him, he right now grew to be one of the most prominent influencers in the gaming space. He's actually all over the news, right? And today he's able to put food to the table for his family. He was able to buy a car. He was able to put up a business for his family as well. You know, essentially being able to help the society all over, right? Mainly because this type of celebrities and influencers not only takes care of themselves and their future, but actually inspires other people that, hey, there's an opportunity in gaming that is not, not just all about fun and games. It's serious business that can actually change lives. 
and not just for yourself but also for other people that you can inspire right so really really inspiring story when i tell this to to other content creators or would-be professional player they get a, a spark that hey i can do it myself as well if my idol can do it so can i excellent story thank you so much for sharing that uh, i did not know that and that's super cool really cool really cool and ready so, jay is actually streaming on facebook gaming <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. <It's> incredible <laughs> <laughs> Um, something that I've found fascinating here is the rise of e-tournaments, of esports tournaments in the country. And there's, it comes with all the trappings of your traditional sporting event. You know, they take out the biggest arena, they pack the stadium, they they have live coverage. It's incredible. Can I just, how did we get to this point where people would pay tickets to watch other people competing in esports? Right. So. You know, essentially, the, the rise of tournaments uh, and mobile gaming in particular, right? I think it coincides. You see, the reason why tournament exposure right now is skyrocketing and on hyper growth is because of the accessibility of the game, right? Uh, compared to the last uh, few years, that is only a few that can actually access gaming through PC, right? So that is the surge that happened. So the moment that there's a lot of eyeballs, a lot of crowd actually engaging on a certain game, it builds community, it builds tournament, pocket tournaments, and now it allows the main game developers to actually invest, right? As you can see, Riot Games, uh, Moon On, right? And all the other game developers jumping in and creating all these big tournaments, which is hosted on multiple platforms, quite specifically on Facebook gaming as, as well on and other platforms like uh, YouTube and TikTok in particular, right? Um, they're creating this space for a lot of people to actually jump into the tournament and actually create that growth, right? So that's those are the factors that I can see that uh, the reason for the rise of growth for the tournaments happening across uh, within the Philippines and across Southeast Asia. Okay. Which brings us to the marketing part of the program, because I really need to ask, I mean, as long as we have you experts here this morning, I'd like to ask, what are the opportunities for brands when it comes to gaming and esports? Because as I mentioned earlier, it's now gone very much mainstream. We have big um, local, national, regional, international tournaments. What are the opportunities for brands? I guess to answer this question, there's quite a couple of ways that I think brands can integrate and to come into the esports space, right? Depending on what their risk appetite is. Yes. So I guess the first would I get would be the simplest or the more, most straightforward one would be uh, content creators, content creation. That's something that we are familiar with even outside of the esports and gaming space, mm -hmm. where you can engage gaming creators or even gamers from Nextplay as well to create content um, about your product or about your brand, right? So. I I think that is one way to engage. Um, the second way would be tournaments, which we are more, most familiar with as well. Um, I guess with tournaments, there's also that mass reach and a very hyper-targeted, sort of like a captive audience that as well, that you know is relevant to the audience, is um, relevant to the brands um, as well because it's a targeted audience. Um, another way or the third way, which might be a little bit more expensive, would be game partnerships. So mm -hmm. 
partnerships in a sense where um, you are integrated into the game. So an example would, I guess, be uh, Mountain Dew with PUBG. They actually had an integration where they had these like booths where um, players could go in and they could exchange for a Mountain Dew token. So that was a pretty interesting um, integration that we saw, um, even with Rocket League as well with Alienware, where if you're familiar with Rocket League, it kind of also looks like a soccer, like a usual yes. soccer field. Yes. And then you have those like banners at the side with the brands, right? So Alienware is like, um, advertisements came up on those like side things so that was a really interesting way and I think that's the game partnership level is also one way to integrate your brand into gaming as well another one would also be team sponsorships which I think Gabriel can talk more about but a really interesting one that we've seen recently is Face Clan with McDonald's I think the announcement just came out recently and it's so mind-blowing because Face Clan is like in the gaming space right and if you think about McDonald's the most recent um, brand partnership that they had as well was with BTS. It's a music, mm -hmm. it's a global Korean, yes. it's a K-pop band, right? And you see how brands are associating themselves to gaming as well. That's really, really interesting um, to see. But um, I would also love to hear from Gabriel as well, maybe more on the team sponsorship side, like what he sees in that space. Sure thing. I think, Kylie, what you've just mentioned, as you can see, we realize that there's a lot of opportunities for brands to come into the gaming esports space. There's just so many mediums from live streams on Facebook, from team sponsorships, from con uh, creating content on multiple platforms, right? Now, let me dive deeper into the team sponsorship, like what uh, Kylie mentioned on the Face Clan and McDonald's, right? I think one of the amazing part that had happened um, throughout the years is that people are now looking at esports as the next step or the next level the future of sports right of course we can still see golden state warriors manchester united and fc barcelona to be existing they're, they're over five billion in valuation each right you know as people move towards digital it's just very natural for them to be geared and gravitate towards these esports teams in particular right so that goes to say that when marketers look at traditional sports before as an advertising and marketing channel, they now look at esports team as another channel for the future, right? That's, that's what they look at. They want to secure the long-term value of their brand. So that's where we come in. At Nextplay, we provide several channels for the brands to come in on the esports space. Um, like, for example, we locked in a huge partnership with uh, PNG. I, I had a background in Ogilvy & Mather. I used to handle Unilever, right, and PNG, uh, and all of these um, brands, right. So I'm just really happy that previously, before six, seven years ago, you know, gaming is not just in their periphery. Um, now it, um, it's in their uh, their grasp. Actually, it's in their vision to be part of um, being an esports team. So in particular, we have placements, for example, in the jerseys, which are actually seen on live streams when they go live, because these professional players still have um, other income streams. So we, uh, we, we allow them to live stream, right? Um, such as, for example, Rene J. Um, so um, as well as uh, placements on their um, live streams, on their other um, uh, content on other platforms, most definitely. So essentially, these professional players and teams, we actually build them to become social influencers as well. That creates them longevity and security on the long-term value on the community that they have built while they're on their professional career, right? But because let's be honest, Stephen Curry will not be on his prime all the time. Same thing goes for an esports player. So we want to build at Nextplay, we want to build 
an, an, a place for them, a space for them wherein they can be um, valuable all throughout their career, right? Securing a future for themselves on a long-term value for the gamer. That's why we are excited uh, to actually bring in gamers because we can bring um, longevity in their career. It's interesting you said longevity of the players, because I would imagine that the platform that they use plays a big role in that. Um, is that something you could tell us about, Dave? Definitely, yes. Um, at Facebook Gaming, we so our mission, um, again, is to build the world's gaming community. At the same time, we also wanted to make our partners, we call them partners, so that, that can be creators, that can be developers, that can be publishers. So the whole gaming ecosystem to make it make their game or make their gaming experience more meaningful as part of their daily lives. So at Facebook Gaming, we have these specific products that would enable uh, our partners to um, you know, extend their hobbies and interests and to reach out to this community through products like live streaming. So uh, our live streaming uh, product is definitely available across all of the uh, pages, uh, especially gaming creator pages. So most of our creators are regularly live streaming. We also have uh, our creators have the option to also upload their uh, short form VOD content. Let's say if they partner up with a certain brand. So recently, we uh, recently I think we have a partnership with, with uh, this pizza brand, FNMB brand, and our creators were asked to do like a review or uh, a walkthrough or their uh, well initially reviews for for VODs. And uh, our platform is also. Um, like uh, where, where, where creators can also upload, not just in video format, but they can also upload it in photo format. So those kinds of things. Um, and also we're, we're still continuing to improve the whole experience. Um, and, and I think last year, we just also recently launched the tournaments feature. This will actually enable organizers and esports uh, publishers to also host and um, well, basically host and manage their esports events on Facebook all in one platform. Because a lot of these esports pub publishers are actually um, getting the value of you know tapping the, the Facebook community because of the the huge amount of users and viewers and gamers in the community. So uh, we also built it for them, uh, not just for the, for for esports publishers actually, also for creators who are. We also encourage our creators to also organize their own community tournaments because they have this huge fan base. And one way to integrate themselves and to interact with these uh, communities also to create this um, highly engaged um, um, tournaments in their own ways as well. So. Yeah. Speaking of creators, I, I think this is a perfect uh, question for Kylie, right? And talking with brands. So, how do you guys manage creators um, in you know in relation with working with brands? I, I'm curious to understand it from your uh, point of view. I think when it comes to managing creators, I think the first thing is to also make sure that they are brand safe. So we definitely, when we first onboard them, there's a lot of guidelines, not okay, not really guidelines, but I guess in the onboarding, onboarding process, um, there's a lot of creator development programs that we run with the creators to sort of train them up to teach them the A to Zs of like what it's like to work with a brand, what are some do's, what are some don'ts, and really to un help them to understand that these, this is how brands think. Um, but I guess our role as well is also to hear them out sometimes because sometimes they don't realize that um, there are implications to the things that they, they do online also. Um, so there's really a lot of education involved um, depending on what stage of the creator growth um, these gamers or these like esports creators are at. Um, so that's how we actually um, manage Manage. I guess when it comes to management of creators, there's really a lot of training that comes in to make sure 
um, that the creators are, I guess, nicely like put together and groomed um, to be ready to work with brands. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember back in 2011, you know, uh, when influencer marketing was starting out, I remember uh, speaking with one uh, Malaysian influencer and I told her, if you can remove these um, these two posts, we can work with you. You know, the brands that we work with don't want any curse words. They, they have to project an image. Thankfully, they complied and we were able to work together, right? So, but I think it's really important. I think that's part of the, I guess, dynamics of really working with brands. Uh, that's really correct. Yeah, yeah. So I guess our teams, like locally, they are well trained to talk to the creators, and I guess to also hear, like, listen to the creators. Especially now that you also know that creators today, um, most of them are also going to be the Gen Zs, right? Who are a lot more vocal. So it's really important to make sure that they feel heard as well, so that at least there is that relationship building process as you're teaching them, and you're not just like telling them, "Don't do this, don't do that," you know? Because I think when they don't see the heart or the purpose behind certain things that we are teaching them, um, it's really hard for them to really understand. And why they need to do certain things and it's really going to be difficult to get their buy-in so i think with especially with gen z creators today it's really important to build that relationship with them yeah um if you don't mind kylie i want um i was wondering um when you're working with the brands and you're working with the the, the content creators um do you suggest the creators to the brands or do you suggest the brands to the creators do you approach brands how does how does it work so I think the way that we do deals with creators and brands, like we have a business team and we have the creator team, right? So the creator team is more creator facing business team takes care more of the client side. I think on the client side um, and on the business side, they make sure to review the list of creators that we have and they would propose creators that would fit into, into the brand story as well, right? Because at the end of the day, we don't want to just just push for the most popular creators but i think in terms of making sure that the brand stories are aligned or even the creator's personal branding as well as aligned to the brand story that's really important so that's what the business team does on the creator team side i think we do take time as well to actually talk to the creators right to understand what are your future plans like what type of like what direction do you want to go into right um, even as a gaming creator there's also a lot of different ways or different categories that you could go into whether it's travel it's lifestyle maybe you want to focus on tech um, I think these are conversations that we have with creators to really understand their interests. And I think going back again to this whole movement towards um, creators becoming younger and younger is really important for them as well today to know that the brands that they are going to be working with are brands that they believe in as well. Like we can't just throw them a brand um, and say that, hey, work with this brand, but it's not a brand that maybe they it's a product that they don't use or a brand that they don't use. So I think that on the creator front and I think even on, on the business front, it's really important to make sure there's that synergy and there's that alignment of um, the story, the holistic brand story that you tell all together. Oh, no, I was going to say that because um, I come from a five years in a creative agency and um, it sounds a lot like dealing with um, influencers in, in any other industry, actually, in wherein you're trying to be faithful both to the personality of your content creator while also serving the brand story that needs to be told. You know, Misha, I, uh, I was just looking at some data uh, from Q1 of this year. So we mentioned that there were about 40 million gamers uh, in the Philippines, right? And you know that um, there's about 35 million of them who actually buy cleaning products, 29.5 uh, million buying snack foods. There's about 21.6 million who buy shoes. 
So again, this is the world of the gamer, right? Um, or, or gaming audiences. And if you break it down for age range, you'll start to realize that, hey, this is actually a pretty good opportunity. So I think to the point of Kylie earlier, would we like to groom you know, uh, the creators to a certain direction? Because we can see that some sectors are becoming more, um, I guess they're growing faster. There's a lot more opportunities or we see that a certain target segment is actually rising here. So I think for them to position would be very good. Um, so on that note, uh, Gabriel, let me compare notes with you because uh, some of the data that I have might be good for some of your creators as well. Dave, um, Kylie mentioned about brands and brand stories. So I need to ask with regards to Facebook, FB Gaming, what kind of brands are you seeing that would like to advertise in and around the gaming space? Because I, I, I imagine it's not just tech companies, it's not just telcos anymore at this point. Yes, that is correct. We started off our um, influencer marketing program with our uh, partners, partnered creators early last year. And we started off with gaming publishers uh, and gaming consoles, um, one of which is uh, Marvel Net8, NetEase. So they partnered with our creators. Um, so our creators were able to promote their game um, and introduce that game via their live streams, via VODs, via photo posts. And that actually uh, one of the key uh, good case studies that we have for like a gaming publisher uh, to grow their uh, games or acquire new users uh, and leveraging on the influence of our creators. In the present, we've actually seen a, a growing number of non-endemic gaming brands as um, like uh, CPG or like consumer um, FMCG brands and even F&B brands who are actually interested to jump into the, the gaming ecosystem because I think they see the value of working with these gaming creators to activate their brands and reach to this new um, community um, that they haven't really thought that they could actually there there's actually influencers who can actually be like their their vehicle to reach to this to reach to to this community and to this audience so um we have one particular uh use case uh specifically in the philippines we've worked with unilever uh with their with their acts and clear brands and they partner with us in our one of our biggest tournaments last year that was asia creator games they partnered with i think over uh 20 to 30 creators um, whom they collaborated with, and these creators were able to activate the uh, Accent Clear brands into the live streams and in a tournament setting. So um, that's a, that's a good and uh, I think the most viable way to engage with the community through these highly competitive tournaments. And at the same time, uh, as a sustaining campaign, we also wanted to enrich the partnership with Unilever. So our creators are also outside the outside of the live stream and the tournament, they were also able to create interesting content such as, you know, live stream highlights um, into very short form videos. And there are many other uh, things uh, and content that our creators are actually have actually created. And we see more and more brands um, uh, in, in the CPG market who's actually uh, exploring the gaming space. And uh, I think we're, we're, we're just starting and it's just the beginning and there are, we see a lot more opportunities to work with these brands. Thank you for sharing that, Dave. And I, I would confirm with CPG, I, I'm also seeing it with, with our data. Gabriel, if it's uh, uh, possible to know, are there any um, categories which are non-intuitive that you guys have worked with, uh, it, for example, for her sponsorships? I mean, I was looking at my list. You know, mortgage is one of those things that is also part of, uh, you know, that, that it's part of the priorities of people into gaming. But uh, are there any other categories which are not necessarily CPG or the technology brands uh, in your case? 
I would reckon that there's two kinds of sponsorships and partnerships right now happening, right? One of which is what um, Kylie and, and Dave has um, uh, mentioned earlier would be the creator specific, right? There's also another version wherein it's a team specific. It's not going uh, advertising on or marketing on a specific creator, rather the brand, the next play esports brand in particular. So on this end, it actually kind of opened up um, a whole new angle in terms of advertising them. Essentially, they're partnering up with Nextplay, and it is our opportunity and our um, responsibility to actually disperse it to different uh, players that would resonate also with the brand themselves. Now, um, in particular, what I'm seeing as a trend uh, currently, it started with the brands, the tech side, of it, the tech brands, for example, like, um, you know, um, computer brands, Predator, Asus, um, HP, and so on. They are your early adopters and first movers. But over the, the long term, what we're seeing right now are the F&B brands, um, brands that is more mainstream before actually going to gaming esports. We right now have, for example, Mountain Dew, Doritos, Photoshop, those, those kinds of brands, Gillette, Unilever, and, and they have an umbrella of brands, if you can just imagine. Those are, that's a trend happening right now, and I can see it just growing even further. Um, and so, yeah. Actually, to also jump in here on other um, activations as well that maybe are non-product related, I think traditionally we're very familiar with just like brand integration with the gaming segment. But I think if we are looking across, um, maybe across the world right now in the US, right, one interesting example is also how the US, uh, we've seen the, seen the US military also partner up with Call of Duty to sponsor a Call of Duty league and even mm -hmm. an esports team as well to, to make content and also to, um, I think, to sponsor sponsored the tournament as well. So that's really interesting, right? And it was really to drive traffic and drive young gamers to um, join the military. So that was a really interesting case study that we saw across in the US. Um, even when it came to, let's say, um, World of Warcraft, right? Building a guild together with the Army National Guard in the US as well to create content around um, the World of Warcraft and the journey towards the, the competition as well. That's a really interesting example that we've seen um, in in the US um, and maybe closer to home in Singapore more recently on um, on our part we actually work together with the Singapore government and as well to um, introduce them into esports and gaming space um, and it was actually really a campaign about vaccination just to remind people hey go and get vaccinated and we integrated it with I think it was a video titled if ML characters vaccinated you right what would it be like so we had the government come in we had mobile legends like characters played out by our comedy creators Creators, but at the same time, we also had um, esports players like Singapore Evo, the Singapore Evos team players come in as actors as well in our video. So that was a really fun and interesting integration with um, uh, with a government messaging together with um, esports as well. And just to add in that uh, very special execution as well, um, one interesting uh, campaign that we also did was with Spotify. Um, so Spotify is this music streaming platform, right? And they uh, last year, they announced their partnership with Riot um, to exclusively host all of their um, podcast and audio um, audio content on Spotify. So Spotify actually, we work with Spotify to um, leverage on our creators as well to promote uh, the playlist and at the same time, um, the world's uh, 2020 that time. So uh, we also work with them to promote and at the same time promote the audio content for for Riot Games on Spotify. So 
uh, that goes to show that really in terms of you know the immerse the very immersive nature of gaming can can cut through all the other boundaries not just you know specifically enclosed in the gaming scene but also cuts across to other verticals such as music can be tech it can be fnb it can be anything you know misha hearing all of these things it just reinforces that there's so much opportunities for esports or the gaming sector in general within the ecosystem the teams right so i think there's a lot of uh opportunities to really reach the, the market. And again, I, I've been looking at the figures the past four years. One last point is that uh, thanks to the lockdowns, it also increased even further. So I, I think there's a lot of things that we can take away from this. I, I think on that note, it might be good to hear from everyone. If we just happen to zone out for the entire podcast, and <laughs> this is like two sentences you want to sell, tell, tell everyone so that they can just remember it. Uh, what would that be? You know. I guess my takeaway that I hope listeners will walk away with as um, they hear this is to really know that, yes, like esports and gaming, it is at its nascent stage. It's still the very beginning, um, but it's definitely not just a, a fad or a trend that will go away. And I see the esports and gaming being able to not just impact the business or the creator economy, but I think it's also impacting culture, right? Just like how we see music unify people from all walks of life from like two decades ago. It still unifies people today, right? But I think esports and gaming is set to be that next big thing um, to unify people um, and to really shift culture in the way that we connect with people today. Well said. Um, for me, um, you know, having a background in Ogilvy, um, an advertising firm, one of the biggest ones, you know, um, as brands would like to come in, I know it's in the infancy stage, but uh, I would only like to leave um, this, this few notes we're in, um, even though that it's in the beginning, but then if brands don't take gaming seriously, they're going to get left behind. I think uh, for me, uh, in my own perspective, I believe, I guess I would say that, yeah, I agree with Kylie, like gaming is very robust. I mean, it has become more and more mainstream entertainment. And that is something, um, a great opportunity that, uh, especially brands, of course, for brands, it's a great opportunity to seize the moment and uh, be able to engage with this uh, increasing and uh, getting uh, a growing community in the, in the gaming scene uh, in order for them, of course, to, to have that long-term strategy with gaming. Uh, second is uh, for our creators, for aspiring gamers as well. I just wanted to let them know that there are certain platforms such as Facebook Gaming who would help them enable their passion for gaming um, and make it a career. Um, and of course, grow and, and be able to achieve whatever they wanted to achieve in the gaming scene. We have this platform for them. In reaching that whole ecosystem is really one way to uh, really solidify, you know, gaming and make it uh, like, you know, a long lasting uh, industry, I, I guess, if that's the right term. <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, basically solidifying cementing gaming as something that uh, is long term, something that's very strategic and also um, something that opens up to a lot of opportunities, not just for brands, but also for creators and for publishers, for gamers. Thank you so much for that, Dave, Gabriel, and Kylie. Um, it's going to be 
absolutely fascinating to see where gaming and marketing go hand in hand moving forward because um, this discussion, if nothing else, has told us that there is just so much more than just one person on their screen. There's this entire world out there now. There's an entire entire infrastructure. There's entire industries that are built around something um, that was once so niche. And it's going to be incredible to see how far this can be pushed. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you. you so much. And that's all we have for gaming and marketing. But stay tuned. Right after the break, we are going into our Boomerang Showcase, where we end the show with a boom. And now here's the part of the program where we end things with a boom. Miko, what did you think of this campaign? Because I, for one, know that I love the subject matter, like (laughs) all aspects of it. I was about to say the same thing. It's like, oh, you know, this is easy. You know, <laughs> there is nothing to hate about this campaign that we're featuring today. <laughs> uh, exactly. You know, my goodness. Um, and I and I was going through the case, uh, the the brief, the executions, the the outcome. You know, it, it was um, uh, well, the first time I read it. I, I kind of ordered <laughs> because of I because of uh, what I saw. So uh, for everybody just tuning in or listening now, we are talking about the Greenwich G Box, which is the world's first ever Bluetooth enabled gaming console built right into the packaging of your pizza. It's amazing, you know. <laughs> Wow. I mean, we were talking about gaming this episode, but I did not know that we could integrate gaming. And we were talking about how far gaming and marketing could go with different brands. Um, now we have Greenwich, which actually built a gaming console, a gaming platform into a pizza box. Can, can you explain this, please? <laughs> hold on, hold on. No, so again, though, if you take a look at the execution, um, they... They came up with three different mobile games, diba? Right? And uh, you can download these things on Google Play, right? So what mm-hmm. they did is that they uh, put it on the box so that when you, um, what do you call it? When you order, uh, it's printed on the box, you can play. And uh, I, I think the, the, the numbers were just so fantastic, if you look at it, uh, that, that people lined up and played uh, a number of minutes. Uh, and you could get more out of the experience of not just, you know, enjoying the pizza, but also playing that ga- those games, right? So mm-hmm. really fantastic. So basically, you download the app, and then you put it on top of the pizza box. It syncs with the pizza box, and yes. the pizza box becomes the controller for up to four players. And that, that is crazy. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I, again, these are some th- cases that you would have heard about watched from let's say overseas mm-hmm. studies right so right. the fact that it was implemented in the philippines mm-hmm. sometime back means that yes the market is you know uh, amenable to these things and you could try and again there are some sectors that are just fun you know like pizza so they could get away with it they could do it you know mm-hmm. and i think it's an open invitation for other companies also explore right uh, in their entire marketing mix uh, yes, it's Greenwich, G, but it also means game. They're very mm-hmm. game. And again, it's also for mobile gamers. So I, I guess there's a, a great interconnection with all these different touch points. So Magaling, uh, very fantastic. I think it's just incredible, you know, because um, I wasn't actually able to actually try the product itself, but um, I'm looking forward to the day where it's viable to produce this on a mass scale. So every time you order a pizza, it's also going to become a gaming session. 
<laughs> I, I think that's an excellent uh, what I call uh, work from home team building activity of tomorrow, you know, or, or or near future. I'd say, you know, not too late, not too late. I think it's good also that they use the pizza box as the actual interface because you know what happens when you eat pizza, you're gonna get greasy fingers. You do not want that on your console or on your mobile. <laughs> I, I could relate to that in the past. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, we've all had that smudge on that uh, on that uh, controller at some point. <laughs> and that concludes this edition of Ending the Show with a Boom in our Boomerang Showcase. I learned a lot today, Miko. <laughs> I, I think that's one of the less technical, more fun categories we also got to cover, right? So, um, again, it, it's great to hear from people from who have different lenses right uh, the, the creators the platforms the uh, the people managing the uh, the team so I, I think it's really great to, to hear uh, different feedback uh, how it how it really works so I think uh, for any of us who might want to get into it um, take their advice your two cents and uh, explore it no and, and put it to your marketing mix really really interesting. I am now reconsidering my career choices. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nisha, it's not too late. I think it's not too late. I, I think there's still, there's still a niche that we can still play despite everyone being here. You know, there's still a niche. Okay. Um, so now that you've done three shows, I got to ask, how are you feeling? It's been a wonderful experience. Uh, it's um, very engaging. Uh, sad to go, you know, but uh, that said, I look forward to the upcoming podcasts. Um, we do have quite a number of amazing speakers as well. And I, again, uh, I've been a big, uh, what do you call, advocate of listening to podcasts because I've learned so much during the last 12 months because of the, the different uh, experts, resources that you could get. And again, from there, you, you can just dive deeper into it over time. So it's been a wonderful experience, Misha. Thank you. This is so great. I must say, I am going to miss having every bit of relevant data at my fingertips, which I have when you're next to me. Well, long story short, I think before you go on your next podcast, I'll throw you some data points so, you can, <laughs> so that you can say in your next podcast, well, I just got this fed in by Miko and this is what he said, you know, so happy to do that uh, next time for you, Nisha. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. These last three shows, it has been fun, but I'm also looking forward to seeing who my co-host is for our next episode. So everybody, please stay tuned for the next episode of Digipod, the official podcast of the Internet and Mobile Marketing Association of the Philippines. I'm your host, Michel Licaros, and this is my co-host, Mika David. Thank you so much, and bye, guys. And that's all we have for gaming and marketing, but stay tuned. Right after the break, we are going into our Boomerang Showcase, where we end the show with a boom. Join IMAP in shaping the future of digital marketing, along with over 300 corporate members from brands, agencies, advertisers, tech companies, media, and startups. IMAP has spearheaded initiatives to drive digital learning, skills development, and camaraderie in the industry, like IMAP Web Wednesday, Breakfast Roundtables, Virtual Member Meetups, IMAP Academy, Youth Digital Congress, and such. To learn more about IMAP, you may download our free digital book, the only book you'll need for digital, via our official IMAP website at www.imap.com.ph and watch out for future events when you follow us on our social media pages. And now here's the part of the program where we end things with a boom. 
Miko, what did you think of this campaign? Because I, for one, know that I love the subject matter, like uh, all aspects of it. I was about to say the same thing. It's like, <laughs> oh, you know, this is easy. You know, <laughs> there is nothing to hate about this campaign that we're featuring today. <laughs> uh, exactly, you know, my goodness. Um, and I and I was going through the case, uh, the the brief, the executions, the the outcome. You know, it, it was. Um, Uh, the first time I read it, I, I kind of ordered <laughs> because of my because of uh, <laughs> what I saw. So uh, for everybody just tuning in or listening now, we are talking about the Greenwich G Box, which is the world's first ever Bluetooth-enabled gaming console built right into the packaging of your pizza. It's amazing, you know. <laughs> wow. I mean, we were talking about gaming this episode, but I did not know that we could integrate gaming. And we were talking about how far gaming and marketing could go with different brands. Um, now we have Greenwich, which actually built a gaming console, a gaming platform into a pizza box. Can, can you explain this, please? <laughs> Hold on, hold on. No, so again, though, if you take a look at the execution, um, they... They came up with three different mobile games, diba? and uh, you can download these things on Google Play, right? So what mm-hmm. they did is that they uh, put it on the box so that when you um, what do you call when you order, uh, it's printed on the box, so you can play. And uh, I, I think the, the the numbers were just so fantastic if you look at it uh, that that people lined up and played uh, a number of minutes. Uh, and you could get more out of the experience of not just you know enjoying the pizza, but also playing that ga- those games, right? So really fantastic. So basically, you download the app, and then you put it on top of the pizza box. It syncs with the pizza box, and yes. the pizza box becomes the controller for up to four players. And that that is crazy. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I, again, these are some cases that you would have heard about watched from let's say overseas mm-hmm. studies right so right. the fact that it was implemented in the philippines mm-hmm. sometime back means that yes the market is you know uh, amenable to these things and you could try and again there are some sectors that are just fun you know like pizza so they could get away with it they could do it you know mm-hmm. and i think it's an open invitation for other companies also explore right uh, in their entire marketing mix uh, yes it's green but it also means game they're very mm-hmm. game and again it's also for mobile gamers so i, I guess there's a, a great interconnection with all these different touch points so magaling uh, very fantastic I think it's just incredible, you know, because um, I wasn't actually able to actually try the product itself. But um, I'm looking forward to the day where the, it's viable to produce this on a mass scale. So every time you order a pizza, it's also going to become a gaming session. <laughs> I, I think that's an excellent, uh, what do you call, uh, work from home, team building activity of tomorrow, you know, or, or, or near future, I'd say, you know, not too late, not too late. I think it's good also that they use the pizza box as the actual interface because, you know, what happens when you eat pizza? You're going to get greasy fingers. You do not want that on your console or on your mobile. <laughs> I could relate to that in the past. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we've all had that smudge on that, uh, on that uh, controller at some point. <laughs> And that concludes this edition of Ending the Show with a Boom in our Boomerang Showcase.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.